You're listening to Medically Unbiased. Unbiased. Offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See? An unbiased opinion. Medically speaking? Yeah. Medically Unbiased. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Medically Unbiased. I'm sitting here with Ron. And on the phone today, we have a good, good, good person to be talking to about this COVID nonsense. The bullshit that is COVID everywhere. It's all inspiring, all encompassing freaking news. And we're all sick of hearing about it. However, I got some cool news today. So this is my cousin, Keisha. Say hi, Keisha. Hi, everyone. So Keisha is currently in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming. Well, actually to the left of the middle of nowhere. So she's hiding out from Corona. And uh, she and I were talking today, and she actually was sick with this virus, correct? Yeah. Okay. So I have some questions for you that I know our listeners, all both of them, are really curious about what's happened with you. So let's get the the details out of the way first. So how old are you? I'm 33. Okay. So you're 33. So you're considered young, right? In this Mm -hmm. grand scheme of COVID patients, you're the youngest of the young to be getting this virus. So Mm -hmm. what underlying medical conditions, if you don't mind sharing any, do you have? Um, sure. I actually am. I'm fairly healthy. I'm a non-smoker and I do not have really any underlying things that would uh, make me susceptible more so to it. Okay. And during the time, were you practicing social distancing be- before you got sick? Yes. 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 So I was working from home remotely. We were ordering our groceries and having them either delivered or um, pick up. Okay. And um, we were pretty good. If we had to be out in public, we would come home. I would change clothes, wash my hands really well. Um, and that's sort of how we practiced. Well, that's pretty cool. So now I know you're married. You have a couple kids. Um, what was the first indication that you were sick, that you might even have COVID? What was that? Um, well, when I first started feeling sick, um, it felt like allergies and I probably the first day, day and a half, I don't think I felt sick enough to, you know, stay home or warrant to go get tested. Um, it felt just like a sudden head cold or a sudden allergy attack. Okay. So were you coughing, sneezing? What other symptoms? I mean, allergies, like um, stuffy head. So, yep. Yeah, so, um, it's a lot of nasal pressure and headache where you feel kind of in a fog that first start um and i had been out previously outside in some cotton so i thought oh it's just from being around all of that but it really felt like um allergy or a head cold with all the pressure and especially in the nasal area okay so how many days between those symptoms and you getting tested and kind of what prompted that why would you get tested um so it was three days um i started feeling kind of off late on a Monday evening and I went and got tested on a Wednesday morning. Um, and I went and got tested because I had been around somebody else who came back positive. Okay. We hadn't been in a lot of contact, but, um, with them being positive, I thought it was a smart thing to do. Okay. So how many days between the test and the positive result? 
And how did you receive two. that information? Two days. So how did yeah, you receive that information? Did they, the state call you and say, run away, lock down, hide in your house? Or like what happened? Um, yes. So the urgent care where I went and got tested, um, I actually called for my results and they said, well, we have to have a professional call you. And so they called and said that you did test positive and that I needed to quarantine. And if I started having difficulties breathing, then I needed to go to the emergency room. But outside of that, I needed to stay home. Okay. So quarantine, they wanted you to quarantine for 14 days from the time that you tested positive or from the time they called you or did they specify? Um, I believe it was from the first time I was exposed. Oh, okay. So do you know where you were exposed? You said your friend might have, but you weren't really near them. Do you have any idea of what, where you got this from? Um. So after narrowing it down they say that you are truly only positive for or symptomatic where you can spread it for a small window um and that's if you're running a high fever okay and um if you come into um like physical contact um so they believe that i picked it up off probably the surface of our marina the lake and i had gone in there and got um a coffee. So I used the countertop. I used the, the creamer and a straw machine. Okay. I, I grabbed a straw, put it in my mouth and I used the restroom at the marina, but I washed my hands and was trying to be cautious even at the marina. And, um, they believe they pinpoint pointed it from that area because they had a lot of sense. A lot of people come back positive that weekend who had been there. And two, um, they believe that, um, your symptoms start showing within 72 hours. Okay. So they being the, the, you, the health facility, department. Oh, the health department, the actual, the state came to you. Okay. Yeah. So what were you, the worst symptoms you experienced over these two weeks? Or are you, are you still having symptoms? I guess is a better question. Yeah. So I still have no sense of smell or taste. Wow. Um, and, so when, and this has been for how long now? Um, since the middle of June. Wow, and you still so, can't smell, still can't taste. Nope, nope. Mm. Um, so that's been kind of a, a downer. Um, so then you kind of have to work through. Um, but I would say in the beginning, it was feeling really lethargic. Like I couldn't get a full day's work done without having to rest for a half an hour or an hour. And um, so being extremely tired. And then... Um, the, the low-grade fever that always runs, it's not very high. It runs right around 100, but it's constant. Like, you cannot get away from it. And it kind of causes, um, you get a headache, um, not in the front, not in the back, but in the center of your head, like the core. Okay. So I think the headaches kind of were pretty severe in the beginning. Okay. So the those headaches eventually went away. The low-grade fever eventually went away. How long mm-hmm. did it take you to feel back to well forget the smell, sense of smell and taste but how long did it take you to feel back to yourself again i mean more normal I, I would say around three weeks really yeah okay so for someone who and you're like you're people don't know you so let's go a little bit you run a lot you've ran like 
five Ks and you've ran all these races and do all this cool stuff and you exercise all the time and you're really healthy and you're a new mom, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're how old is your youngest? 15 months, 15 months. Okay. So you're energetic, you're busy, you're on the go, you work full time. Like you're not someone who sits Mm -hmm. around. So to say you're lethargic to me tells me, wow, this is a big deal. Because you're not someone that sits down and rests at all. Yeah. And being a mom, you know, of two kids going, I'm doing the gym at 430 in the morning. It absolutely, um, definitely wiped me out. And even to work, to not even be able to get through an eight-hour workday um, was was definitely eye-opening. And kind of a um, it showed that the difference of what normal feels to this. Yeah, that makes sense. So the symptoms lasted about three weeks. Now, have yeah. you, did anyone that you've come in contact with since your diagnosis, have they become sick? No. So um, I was around both my children the whole time, even with my symptoms. Okay. And they um, did not get sick. My, I was around my husband and he did not get sick. Uh, my aunt who helped watch the kids, did not get sick. And also I share an office with, um, with another employee okay. and they did not get sick. Wow. That's pretty yeah. remarkable. So mm-hmm. you have to be, it's got, I wonder if it's super small. Like you said, the super small window you're saying there, the state's telling you it's like three days where you're overly infectious is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. When you're the way they mentioned it was when you're running a high fever and, um, which makes sense, you know, fever makes you more, but, um, that there was a very small window for me to even, to, for people to catch it. Okay. That it, um, but then you hear other stories, uh, that people are, um, have it and then don't show any symptoms for 10 days. But in my case, I feel like I started showing within 72 hours. Okay. So, what do they do at the marina? That And I know, so people know, I kind of sent her a bunch of questions that I was going to ask, and now I'm going to kind of go off script. Okay. Um, what uh, did they send, what do they do at the marina to try and mitigate the spread? Since you said there was people, the other people that might have gotten sick there, did they do mm-hmm. anything different at the marina? Did they, like, the state go out there and deep clean the marina and throw stuff away, or what happened? You know, um, I do not know if they even contacted the marina. I would hope that they did um, because they were so diligent about contacting who we were around. And they were really aggressive, you know, about it, who we are around, who could have possibly. So I would hope that um, they sent out a crew to maybe disinfect or get it cleaned up. you didn't hear anything one way or the other? Okay. No, no, there was no follow-up. So... Are, did you have to? The biggest of the question I have now is: Did you have to get retested in order to be cleared of your status of COVID positive? No. Hmm. So just quarantine for fourteen days, and you're good to go. Yeah. I. <clears throat> hey, this is Ron. I do have a question. Hey, Ron. Hey. Uh, how long was your fevers for? How long did you have? Them? Um. I would say almost six days. So technically six days you would, you would have been positive or been able to spread or shed the the virus while you were having your fever. Did Tylenol help at all? 
Um, I did take some Tylenol as well as the ibuprofen, and it would help um, for a set amount of time, but then it would jump back up. So I try to stay pretty diligent um, on my fluids and taking something. But, yeah, you could definitely notice when it wore off. Yeah, because you always hear those questions like, you know, are you supposed to take Tylenol? Are you supposed to take ibuprofen? Right. Did it help? Did you did you get any other medications that that uh, from your physician at all? No. So I was not prescribed anything. I did take a natural supplement um, that did kind of seem to help. I started taking it after day three, um, and it's supposed to help with kind of aches and flu-like symptoms, and that kind of seemed to help perk me up a little bit. Right on. Yeah, you said I'll I'll put everyone a link to that in the description since you sent me a picture of what you took. It's like a homeopathic mm-hmm. over the counter kind of med to see if it worked for people or whatever. But yeah, and I don't think I don't think that the I don't think even here I don't think states requiring. I know our facility is not requiring a negative test to come back to work, but they are requesting seventy two hours. Post symptoms, no fever, and no on no medication. Ah, so okay. you, you have to be off your medication, then seventy two hours of no symptoms. So you weren't cured with hydroxychloroquine, is what you're telling me. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was. I did not take any any of that. Um, oh, I thought maybe Trump sent you some. It, or something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I will say, after fourteen days, they did call me, and I had to have an exit interview. And they did ask about the fevers, and they did ask about all of that. Okay. Um, and since um, I had not had a fever in over three days and um, wasn't coughing or any of that, then then the health department said I was good to go. Right on. So you feel good back to normal other than the can't taste a good steak and having trouble eating real food? <laughs> no, what's going on? I do. I do. I feel um, mostly back to normal. I... Um, I do, it's interesting the kind of anxiety it has brought, not smelling or tasting. Because you don't think of, now I can't smell smoke if my house is on fire or a gas leak or things like that that you never thought would be an issue before. It kind of brings a little bit of anxiety, I would say. That makes um, sense. uh, With that. Um, But I feel, I feel... um, good i i've started working out again and just not tasting are you worried that you could be susceptible to getting this virus a second time now that you've already got it or do you feel kind of like when you were a bike helmet a little more invincible so 50 50 i feel more confident going out and being around people and um i i don't feel as on Eve, because I do feel like it's difficult to catch. It's I feel like it's not just oh waiting for us around the corner. You know, I think you just need to be smart. Um, I do feel though this is kind of like the flu, where you have different strands possibly, mm-hmm. because so many people experience different symptoms and different things. So um, I do feel that it's a possibility, but I do feel a little bit stronger since I went through it and survived it. Yeah. So did your kids get tested with a nasal swab or were they tested with titers? Did they take and draw blood? So they did not have them tested. They told us to treat them as if they were positive. Ah, so the kids weren't tested. Isolate. 
Yeah. Isolate. <laughs> mitigate. Hide. Run. I do have a, another question. The question yes. I have is when you were at the marina getting uh-huh. getting your coffee or whatever you were getting at the time, were you wearing a mask? Just wondering. No, I wasn't actually. <laughs> you know, because it seems interesting that they're they're saying that her contact is via contact touching countertop and stuff. Right. So, mm-hmm. but it was contact from touching to inserting straw in mouth, not yeah. rubbing eyes or not picking nose. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, would you, if you had the mask on, do you think you would have COVID right now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, possibly not if I wouldn't have put the straw in my mouth. Like, if I wouldn't have been there touching directly like hand to mouth i did it right there and um yeah possibly if i would not have but i'm curious what the mask all protects because i was very symptomatic and i kissed my husband and he did not and i (laughs) i breastfeed my daughter and she has not gotten sick either no fevers no coughing no I'm I'm morbidly curious to know if they have titers. If they, I'm surprised nobody's like reaching out to you and your family, especially not re- not getting it, to just maybe mm-hmm. draw blood or see why they why they didn't get it. As you, and do some testing yeah. on both your husband and children to find mm-hmm. out are are they sick or not sick, but do they have antibodies to antibodies right to COVID. And if they do, why do they not? What's different about them or their blood? Do you know what blood type you are, by the way? I don't. Okay. Um, it's interesting because I, I also know another family. Uh, his wife was positive. And, but, mm-hmm. but him and their children, and their children are probably in their 20s. None of them ever caught it, nor did they have antibodies. They did antibody testing on their family. And nobody she did. had the antibodies, and nobody else had them. Wow. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious about that, too, because I just did an antibody test, and I came back positive. Okay. So was cool. that was that recommended, or was that just something you wanted to do on your own? Uh, actually, I just did it on my own. I, I had to go get some blood work done, and it was an option. So huh. I just went ahead and did it. Might as well. Yeah, I would, too. Yeah, exactly. So, well, Keisha, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're busy and you got the kids and you're getting them all ready for bed. And I could see Paisley. Hey, how you doing? What's up? (laughs) So I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and kind of give us some insight from the real perspective, someone who's had it and someone who's young and doesn't have comorbidities and got it. Yeah. Well, no, I I was happy to be a part. And um, yeah, if you ever have any more questions, please don't hesitate to ask. I appreciate it. Hey, one final question. Has it changed yeah. doing this? Has it changed how you do things in public? Yeah. I would say overall, just uh, since this has been exposed and after catching it, um, I would just, I, I'm more, I look at people differently. I look at the situation a little more differently. Um, no more stress. Because man. I truly really feel like you need to be smart. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's the people who are not paying attention, just grabbing and doing and handling that, um, 
kind of stir up the stuff. So, so I do try to um, be a little more cautious, a little more smart, and pay more and, attention to what's out there. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, thanks, Keisha. I mm-hmm. really, really, sincerely appreciate the time tonight. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Cool. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice to get that perspective. Oh, totally. Right. It was definitely worth the call. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's uh, let's take a break for a minute. Let me see if I can do this, and we'll be right back to medically unbiased. If I can get this thing to work, what am I doing here? There we go. Medically unbiased. So that was actually a pretty cool call, man. To be able to talk to her and get some perspective on what's actually happening in the real world. What do you think? Uh, I think it was awesome. So my question to you is, does it, is this going to change anything you do? Out and about? Yeah, in the real world. Like going to the grocery store. I don't, I don't I see people. So. Okay, so I see people at the store constantly like wiping their like wiping their stuff down with Clorox wipes you know yeah I don't do that now I, but there again you know I'm a medical professional so I feel like I've already wearing a mask in the store like like I always catch my wife touching everything <laughs> like you know she'll look but I gotta look at the fruit like why do you have to handle every one of them like I always tell her. Now, of course, she's got she's got the gel, the hand gel and stuff right. in her purse. She's always got that. So after she's done, she's washing, you know, wiping right. her hands down. But still, I mean, I think you know, there was a what's that doctor that that's out here in Vegas, that big doctor that does a lot of podcasts. What's his name? Uh, Z Dog or whatever. No, he's in California now. He was out here. Yeah. He left. Yeah, I think you know, as he, his business his turntable health failed, so he left. He and explained, now he's he explained you know, as a, as a medical professional, you know, wearing a mask and gloves and stuff, you know, you're touching only specific things. You're not touching your nose, your face, your mouth, your whatever. Right. I just think in, because of the background that I have, you know, even the background that you have, I think we mm-hmm. would be less likely or less prone if we're thinking about it, which I think we are. Yeah. You know, when we're out and about. So I don't think it would change me. It's interesting, though, you know, that it was a potentially a straw or the it was, it was a contact yeah that i thought was interesting me too as opposed and that's contact tracing being done by the state of wyoming it sounds like yeah as opposed to just guesswork you know so if that's the case then I, the question becomes would masks help because talking to each other didn't seem to be an issue yeah right well the, the other thing is is you know as wyoming states to her um you got to be running a fever to spread it and are you going to the marina feverish? I mean, I guess people would, but it seems just no, no. Seem crazy. No, well, I, but even well, low grade fever, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I 
I probably wouldn't do anything with a fever. I just feel like crap, you know, but men are different. See, and this isn't something I said to her, but something I would say to her. I mean, she moms are moms are unique because oh, yeah. moms will just keep trucking. Like yeah, I got a fever, but I got laundry to do, and the kids got to go to school, and I got to make lunches, oh, and I'm breastfeeding and yeah. kissing everyone goodbye. Like. Yeah, she was breastfeeding, taking care of kids. I mean, busy person, right? Absolutely. Working a full time job, so busy, and didn't slow down. Even though it was kicking her butt, she didn't slow down. I, on the other hand, would be like, oh my, like man flu. <laughs> it would be man flu season. I'd be in bed. Will someone bring me some chips? Like, it'd be horrible. My yeah. wife would be over. I would be up in my room. My <laughs> wife would not even come in my room. I could tell you that right now. No. She'd be like, uh, I'll roll some bottles of water in there. You crawl and grab it. Yeah, I'll throw them at you from... You know what? I could just see a Nerf gun being devised to shoot bottles of water at you. Right? Or one of those squirt bottles just sprayed in my mouth. <laughs> if it misses, it's fine. It will cool me yeah, down anyway. I have 103 fever. Please help. I think I, I agree. I, I agree with what she was saying. I think that it would be absolutely miserable for the low-grade fever Yeah. for how many weeks? Or she said like three to six days or whatever. She oh, said. yeah, yeah. So a little under a week, but you, you know how we feel just... For one or two days, we're we're begging for it to break. Right, we want that that cold sweat to come on. I'm right. sure it just is just uncomfortable. Well, and in this instance, a couple things surprised me. One, I would love, I would almost pay for the titers to see. I'd be willing to pay for the lab work to get done on her husband and kids to find oh, out yeah. if they have titers. Like, I, I think agree. I think medically unbiased should fund those tests. And see if we can get those done. I think we should. And then the next question I have for them is, like school. All of a sudden, we're worried about schools opening up. But her kids didn't even get sick. <laughs> no, they did Around somebody who tested positive. I, you know. What, <clears throat> we now, saw she's that. a relative. She's healthy. She's not. She yeah. has no comorbidities. Yeah. She had, takes no medication. She's not sick. She exercises all the time. And she's young. Yeah, those are all the. Things that we talk about being young, no, you know, you you should be fine. Correct, and she got it, so I she's she's fine. Besides the taste and smell, and I know it uh, does suck. I know a few people that have lost sense of smell or sense of. I think you lose the taste because you lose the smell. I think one affects the other. Okay, yeah, probably because I know I'm not an ENT guy, so I don't know. I would ass- I I feel like that. Like I, I'm it not either. Sense. It just seems like it would, but I know one of my friends. She lost a sense of smell. Okay. I don't know if she lost a sense of taste. I want to say she did, but maybe not. I don't know. But I know that it, it came out of the blue. Yeah. She was, she was walking with her kids outside. And the kids are like, oh, my God. It smells like, you know, maybe it was a pig farm or something. It just smelled like. It smells like teen spirit. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> It was just the wind was blowing the wrong way. Sometimes that happens out here in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, they were like, oh, what's that smell? And she's like, I'm not smelling nothing. And then she was like, oh, that's weird. So she went, literally, they were outside walking. Then she came home. She opened up the spice pantry with all her spices. Couldn't smell a single thing. Oh, wow. Still didn't think it was COVID at the time. Okay. It just didn't dawn on her, you know, because she felt fine. Yeah. First thing she lost was smell. See, I've heard that from other people. But it was really good to just discuss one on one with someone who's act who oh, I know awesome. tested positive. Oh yeah, because even NBC did an interview with someone who faked it. And oh that, really? Oh yeah. 
Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, NBC went all out on their medical guy. He said he had COVID, tested negative, actually tested negative. He never had COVID. Oh, my God. Lied the whole time. There's a lot of lying going on. I, I don't know why. why. Why can't we just have a no-nonsense, no-bullshit assessment of the real people that have it? There's plenty of people who've had it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking almost five. Is it five million? Are we to five million yet? Positives? I think, yeah, I think so. Where are we at in the United States, though? We're like. Yeah, that's what I mean. Five million positives in the United, in the United States. States? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was world. No, no. World is like a gajillion or something. I don't know. The world is everybody's. Got it. It's well, the new sepsis. Let, let's just say, let's, for sake of argument, Nevada. Nevada's at, um, I don't know, they're like, say they're at 50 or 60,000 positive cases. Yeah, but very few deaths. Yeah, but we're not talking about deaths. We're talking about positive cases. So there's right. 60,000 people walking around. There's 20 million worldwide, and we're 25% of them. At 5, five million. million. Yeah, but I'm just saying they're walking around just in Vegas. There's, you know, 60,000. Well, not Vegas. In Nevada, the state of Nevada. Yeah. You know, there's 60,000 people that have it. Okay. I'm just saying that you got to come across somebody that has had it at some point. Yeah. Well, I told you that I was talking to some people from the, one of the labs here in town. And they said, we all have the titer. Like, everyone in the lab gets tested. And they all have titers. At the lab that well, draws blood. There's a theory out there that's saying that that uh, H1N1 is part of the COVID family. Yeah. You might have, they're thinking herd, uh, herd um, immunity. immunity is more like 20%. Yeah. You need 60% because there's people that already have titers. Right. Which would be interesting. Maybe they're not finding like the titers for the people that are for COVID too, you know, yeah, or whatever right. it is. Um, more of a H1N1 titer from yeah. 2009. Yeah, yeah. So I'm there was 60 million people had H1N1 in the U.S. I mean, in 2009, 60 million had H1N1. I mean, that's a that's not a third, but it's it's what what is it's it? 25. Well, it's 25 percent. Yeah, I mean, so 60 million. They just all weren't in New York. That nah, would be 25 percent. It'd be 20 percent. But you know what I mean? Like that's a lot. So if those titers can help provide immunity for this, yeah. See, I don't believe that they're doing enough testing on that stuff. Those are questions that we have, and I don't think... Look, I can't believe that we're the smartest people in the room right now. Even though there were the only two people in this room, I don't know that we're the smartest people in this listening to this podcast or going to be part of this podcast. Because I believe there's people who are thinking similar to us and will have decided that these are possible tests that need to be done why they aren't being done or who's not doing them or where they're getting done is another question, but well, I'm sure it has everything to do with money. Everything does. Everything costs, costs, right? Everything has a cost. So anyway, I don't know. It'd be, I'd be curious to see what the, what the ramifications of that are. Yeah. I would love to know the, you know, there, there are things out there that we need to know. (laughs) Right. And sometimes it doesn't need to be on a need-to-know basis, but sometimes it feels like it is, right? Well, it's there's so there is a morbid curiosity to this, you know. There's, a, I am curious, and maybe being was it was this that old saying? Curiosity killed the cat. Yeah, that's an old saying. Satisfaction brought it back. <laughs> so sometimes, if you figure out what you're curious about and you want to know the answer to, you got to ask. We wouldn't be scientifically going through this system if we didn't ask those questions. If we took things at face value and we believed what everybody said, we would be 
uh, news media, not scientists. Yeah. Um, not scientists and, uh, you know, social media is a killer too. Yeah, for sure. But I, I just think that we could find out some answers here or help to find out some answers here. I would, I'm just kind of blown away that these questions haven't been brought up or asked or yeah. answered by other people that do this for that do the science part for a living. Like, how easy was it for you to find or to know somebody that actually had COVID? But it was pretty simple. But the news couldn't. Well, but what I was it NBC. Did you say? Yeah, NBC. They they couldn't find somebody. There's, I mean, this is I don't they couldn't. Everybody. They just the guy that they interviewed actually was talking about all the symptoms he had and how bad it was and later they found out he didn't even have covid he was he was found to not have ever been ever so somebody did some research on the guy i guess i mean yeah how would you not know I, I, I don't know it's above my pay grade above my pay grade yeah, i hear that a lot these days that's my that's my favorite go-to line right now i mean i'm this is a very low budget show so there's a lot of things above my pay grade, like a lot. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> low budget, very low budget. So, what do you? What do you have? Another topic you want to bring up today, or did you come with any topics at all this time? Because you've been before. You, I'm hit, you're I'm, here. You're hit or miss. Man. I'm hit and miss. I'm missed today. You're missed. I today. thought you know. I thought we talked a little bit about you know that whole new grad thing. Yeah, for sure. But um, no, I mean my. It just it just depends on what is hot, what what's hot and what's not, and what's not. Right now, it's like you know, COVID's always hot. Yeah, the, I'm so I I don't know about you guys out there in the world, but I'm sick and flipping tired of listening to COVID in news the in the ether. I just think that I don't know. I'm sick of the fact that my kids aren't going to go to school. I'm sick of the fact that we're talking about COVID all the time. And then we talk about it, but we don't have answers. It's just more questions. Nobody gets the answers. So how do you get the answers? And then if you don't do, half the people say, well, if you don't do a randomized control trial, then the data is useless. But then they want to give you antibodies or they give you a vaccine that has a 50% effective rate and, you know, harms. I, I don't think I'm taking it, dude. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. What if the hospital you work at states that you then I'll cannot have to wear a mask? That you cannot work at all, period, maskless or not, unless you take I don't, the vaccine. I don't know. I'd have to cross that bridge, but but they do that with other stuff. No, they they tell you to to take the flu shot, and if you don't, you have to wear a mask. Correct. So my question to you is, what are they? I'm don't they, don't they do that mask. for for Hep A and Hep B? I'm sure, yeah, because they're testing your titers on all that stuff. Right. So if you don't have titers for Hep B, can you decline the Hep B series? You probably could. And then if you get sick with Hep B, you can't claim all liability. Yeah, right. I'm sure. I'm sure you can get out of all that. Sure. I'm just saying. I don't know if I'm taking first. I don't know if I'm taking the first vaccine out. But Hep B, you won't give somebody Hep B. But you could give somebody COVID. So this, there, therein lies their rub. Well, unless it was given to me first, then I'm not really giving it to anybody. 
You're just passing it. I'm just passing the buck. It's baby. going from from you to from someone to you to someone yeah, else. Like I never started it. Is this like the seven? I'm not the bat. Is this the seven layers of Kevin Bacon? Is this what this is? It very well could be. <laughs> so, someone knows you that you know someone that someone else. Isn't and that then, what they're doing now? Isn't that what the health department's doing now? They're like, oh, uh, Tyler, uh, you have you're positive. Yeah. Who have you touched or fondled in the last? 24 to 48 hours who have you who have you interacted with yeah who have you been cuddling with like come on like so you're gonna call them people those people up well and then you're gonna say well somebody we we found out that somebody within your click right was tested positive so just be careful stay home 14 days with no symptoms like where where do you draw the line so i wonder people so the question i have is i wonder if her family was counted in the positive numbers. If <laughs> I didn't That's ask Keisha, yeah. but if they are estimating that the other th- treat the other three people in the house as if they have it, do they account for them That's as a good point. part of the positives? Well, when they say they when they say they have the test, those testing positives. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's got to be a a presumptive numbers. Probably that would that would be out, I would hope that would be outside of the physical tests. Even though we've already had we've already discussed this on the, on this by on these yeah. podcasts that you know you might have four tests two two are negative and then two happen to be positive. Right, it counts for two. Even though you it counts for two neg and two pause. That's right. four tests total. But one person. One person. That's going right. to count, though. As- the number of tests and the number of positives is not equal to the number of people tested. Yeah. So the reality of it is, and we've, like I said, we've done this in the beginning. When I say we, like, that, this is what was told us to do. Right. You have symptoms just like what they told her. Right. You have symptoms, stay home. If have your kids isolate as well, have your family isolate as well. Right. And in the fourteen day period, if they have no signs and symptoms or whatever, once they exceeded the incubation time, right, they're good. And I would assume for her, because she did mention it, that you know after seventy two hours of no symptoms, mm-hmm. she was good. I don't know if you really need a test to show negative. Like when would you need that? I would. Th- Think as far as a work, you would think in a work environment like a hospital or whatever right. that you'd be able to to get the test. You okay. know, you think you would be able to, but I don't know if they want to waste. You know, why waste on a neg negative? Well, Unless you had a false positive. See this is the, and once again the positive, false positive, false negative. I don't know, but I don't. I need to know the percentage of the false positive. I don't know that off the top of my head. I can't. I could tell you stress testing for cardiology because I talk about it all day, but I can't tell you based yeah, on what's new in cardiology, my friend. What's new in cardiology? Anything new? Like uh, so? Wearables, man. I'm all about the wearables. Some people hate them. Um, I have some cardio- like alter monitors and stuff. Or? No, no, like consumer grade wearables. Yeah. Apple Watch. Apple Watch. So you can see your to help KG. identify. Yeah. So it gives you a single lead, but I like it because uh, it gives people a sense of control over their disease process, I guess you could say. Yeah. So people who have AFib or paroxysmal or intermittent AFib, those patients, even my 70 and 80-year-old patients, are getting Apple Watches today. Now, Cardia Mobile makes a really cool device. It's just a 100 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever it is to mm. do EKGs, and it has a little sensor. But people are getting Apple Watches. Um, 
my elderly patients are getting Apple watches to be able to monitor their arrhythmias. That's pretty cool. I mean, and it's FDA approved. I haven't written a prescription for an Apple watch yet. I wa- I've questioned whether I could or not. I think it'd be funny. Yeah, it would be. It is FDA approved, but is the insurance company going to cover it is the question. I don't think so. I Probably not. But they did get that, you know, ability to, they don't identify uh, AFib, but they just help. And again, AFib's not lethal, so it's not a big deal. But I've also seen a lot of intermittent negatives from that when it says undetermined rhythm or intermittent rhythm or it doesn't really know. Or if you have sinus with frequent PVCs, it might call it AFib. So it's been wrong. Yeah. I don't care about the computer interpretation anyway. I could care less. But I do like that the patient can print out in a PDF file their one lead EKG and they get 30 seconds of EKG reading and they can print that all out and bring it in and say, on Tuesday night, I felt really funny and I checked my blood pressure and it was, you know, 80 over 60 and I did this EKG in my Apple Watch and this is what it felt like. Because in my office, they're normal sinus and their pressure is 130 over 90. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you felt shitty, and what happened? And I see their EKG, and all of a sudden I see some weird arrhythmia. Now it allows me, it makes me more determined to dig in deeper and find out what's going on. And so then I can put them on a, you know, other halter monitor for 24 hours. Generally, I like to do precision monitors. I use precision or Zio patches a lot. Um, Zio's a patch that you wear for 30 days. Precision monitor you can wear from a week to 30 days. That's cool. People tolerate the Zeo patch a little better because it's just a, a couple, you know, it's a bigger pad, but no wires, no box, nothing to carry. Yeah. But you can't take it off, whereas the precision monitor, you can take it off. And I found the tolerance level for precision monitor is about seven days. A patient will deal with it and deal with the ramifications of wearing it and taking it off, showering, putting it back on, playing with the all the stickers and shit yeah. for about seven days. After that, they're like, I'm done. either you figured it out or you didn't you know but i really like digging into electrical problems um maybe because of my background but i like finding the intermittent problems in the heart they're harder to find for sure yeah it's like i explain it as taking your car to the shop and saying oh there's this weird squeaking sound every time i hit the brakes and the mechanic drives your car and comes back and goes i hear nothing and you're like, BS, get in, we'll drive it. And it gets in with you. Drive around. It doesn't do it. You're like, where'd that sound go? You leave the shop, and it has that sound. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's Murphy's inter- Law, man. Yeah, right? That's intermittent electrical problems for the for the cardiac patient. And I, I see that pretty regular. You know, I treat that regularly. I don't treat it with pacemakers. I have my EPs do that. But I find the problem, and I'm able to highlight the issue and then send them to the appropriate care, you know. How much of those issues have you seen as far as it just being treated with maybe electrolyte imbalances and stuff? Like Seldom is it an electrolyte imbalance. Generally it's uh, um what is it? That's the question. Uh generally it's treated with a, like a beta blocker if it's a bunch of weird heartbeats. So if it's, it's like AFib, you got to put them on a, you know, blood thinner. Low potassium um, you know, anything like that? No, thyroid is a big one. So you're, if someone's thyroid is out of whack, the their thyroid meds, make sure they're regulated. Get them to endocrinologists so they can help regulate their thyroid medications. Um, but younger people, their thyroid tends to be the a factor. 
older people just have, sometimes you just have PVCs. And unless it's a significant burden, like people don't believe, like the general public doesn't realize you have about 100,000 heartbeats a day. It's a lot. It's a lot. So if you have 100 PVCs. Is, is that resting? Yeah. Is that resting That's rate? your average resting rate, yeah. You know. What if you so, work out? You're going to have more. Yeah, but, I mean, for how long are you going to work out? So go to 110. We're going for 17 hours, hours a, day. a day. Right, yeah. Exactly, all 40 of them in a day. In my 24-hour day, I do 40 hours of work. <laughs> I do, I, instead of doing um, 10 push-ups, I do 20. I double everything up. So you got to double the heart rate. <laughs> <laughs> so I did 200,000 heartbeats because I'm fast. <laughs> no, because I'm fat. Fat, yeah, more than they'll be. Yeah, they'd have a tech of rhythm. But, you know, a lot of times we just give patients beta blockers to, but I'm not going to slow a sinus tack down for no reason. An asymptomatic person who has 110 yeah. beats a minute, I'm not going to purposely slow them down. Why? Why? And, and you're not going to purposely speed up somebody's heart rate at 50 if With, they've been if they've been an athlete and correct you know i mean i guess i could keep give them epi <laughs> just keep pushing epi. if they're asymptomatic right and, you know they give you a history of you know oh well i used to i used to and still do i'm very athletic I'm yeah yeah very physical you know i do physical history is important for sure yeah you know taking a good history and knowing what the patient's gone through and what they've done is very important yeah in my situation it's a little different because i'm seeing them as a Generally, I'm not seeing them as a new onset. They're not coming into the emergency room with this new symptom. I have a really good, deep, long-standing history. They've been seeing a cardiologist in our office for some time now. Yeah. And if they're symptomatic, I'm seeing them because they're symptomatic and my cardiologist's schedule is packed and they can't be seen by the cardiologist. So I'm seeing them to help figure out what are their symptoms, determine what testing needs to be done, help mitigate the cardiologist time so that they can make sure that we get the right testing, whether it be lab work, stress test, echo, whatever. Telling you, dude, you're doing the job that you were meant to do. I don't know about that, but I'm doing the job that I'm doing. (laughs) Well, you were meant to in a sense that this is a job you love. Oh yeah. I'd rather do this for sure. You know, than flipping patients in the ICU or even, you know, doing EK when you were in EKG, EKG tech. Oh yeah. Years ago. Years and years ago, I remember that. My God, that was forever ago. You remember that one time? That was an eight. That was ages ago. You came up. You're like, dude. You you. So I'll paint the picture. Tyler does an EKG. Tyler shows EKG to said nurse. Said nurse is like, eh, eh who cares? <laughs> Tyler's like, uh, something's wrong with this EKG. So instead, you know, instead of going to the Chargers, maybe maybe you did. I don't know. He comes to the house soup. Who's house soup that night? You. It's me. <laughs> He's like, dude, you seriously need to look at this EKG. It's it's bad. <laughs> it was so bad, folks. Let me tell you something. This is this is why I tip my hat to Tyler. It was so bad that we actually ended up calling a STEMI and sending him over to the, another hospital to do emergent cardiac yeah. catheterization. Yeah, there was. A, I found out later that she was like ninety eight percent occluded in her LAD. It had a 90% occlusion in the left cirque, but they were able to stent her and get her back mm-hmm. without having to do bypass. Now, most nurses on the medical floor, but I think this was IMC. No, this is medical. Medical floor. Most nurses, well, I can tell you most medical nurses don't have EKG, nothing. Like they, they, right. they could give you a basic 
understanding of, oh, that's sinus. Maybe even bradycardia, maybe even tachycardia. No, I think it's different than that. I don't even know that they give you those definitions. I think they will know that's normal and that's abnormal. Okay. I think they would say, I don't know what that is, but that doesn't look right. And I'm fine with that. That's fine too, but I don't know if they were doing that. They were obviously weren't reaching out to the physician. Well, no, but they were talking to it. So I've taken that because I came as a nurse. I'm a nurse practitioner, now, but I started as a tech. Well, I started as a paramedic in the sure. field. You started coming out of your mom's womb. Yeah. Well, that was years ago. <laughs> that was a long, <laughs> many, long many, many ago. moons ago. But uh, I was a paramedic first. So that helped. Right. And then when I moved here, I started in the hospital doing EKGs while I was going to nursing school. And I learned that if you're a nurse, a lot of nurses dismiss people they believe are beneath them. And I think that's what happened here. Not to, you know, I'm not going to point fingers or say, look how good I was or look how bad they were. I think in that particular instance, though, I was an annoying tech. And what do you know? You what do you know? Right. What you, come on, little, dude. Little like, did ye know you knew a lot. Actually. Well, yeah, but I've taken that into my second and third career here so that when a technician talks to me, respiratory therapy or EKG tech or yeah. someone says to me, hey, would you really double check this? I take the time to really do it. Absolutely. Because they're not doing that just because they want me to say, thanks, good job on your normal sinus rhythm EKG. Yeah. They don't want to no. hear that. They'll yeah. leave. They don't give a care. Yeah. But if they're taking time out of their schedule, their busy schedule to talk to me and interact with me, I had better show them the respect that they deserve. They do that all day. Yeah. I I showed you the respect. I said, what is this person thinking? Right. Let's go up there and initiate some stuff because it doesn't look good. It's not good. It wasn't good. No, it was a bad deal. It was a bad deal. But so it so worked. It all worked out in the end. I thank mean, you, it was Tyler. A, oh, you're welcome. Thank you, know, you for being how... an EKG tech at that time. <laughs> yeah, you know, it but happens. What I'm getting at, though, what I the reason why I brought that up is that you've you've progressed into a field and into your niche that you, yeah that you really enjoy and you're passionate for, and you know maybe you'll branch off of that niche and do something else. But it, it it's been nice to see. Well, thanks. Well, I still remember your first words of wisdom to me when i became a nurse i said i really want to work in the er dude i'm gonna <laughs> uh, i was a paramedic and i'm gonna go rule the er and you're like go to the icu and i'm like oh you're stupid man you don't know what you're talking about you've been a nurse what 10 12 years you've yeah, been a 10 nurse years maybe and you're like no man you got to go to the icu and i'm like nope you have no clue what you're talking <laughs> about you don't know what i want i do and i deep down inside yeah so so I reluctantly took your advice and went to the ICU. Because I think you could have gotten an ER pretty quick, right? Yeah, I probably. I don't know. It's so because I don't know. I, if I you talk were... to new grad nurses all the time now, and there's a there's a really big difference in what people want. What and I think what happens is what people think they want, what new nurses think they want to do, and where they end up are different places. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of young female new nurses are like, I want to take care of babies and I want to deliver kids. And it, like the TV shows and the movies make it seem really cool. And then you're there and it's not as. I was going to say, cool. does, doesn't nursing school weed out some of that? Oh, I want to take care of, you know, 
cute little children. And then when they finally go through nursing school, they see it. I mean, I've seen people in nursing school, my nursing school, my class walk away from nursing. Hell, I've seen them walk away their first year of actual nursing on the floor. They got their license. They're doing nursing care. And that's crazy to me. It's It's a lot of effort to get through nursing school and a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money and time invested. Like how, like you couldn't have figured that out while you were in nursing. (laughs) I I think a lot of people figured out in nursing school. I've had EMTs and stuff. Yeah. They talked a lot of shit, dude, a lot of shit in nursing school. And then when push comes to shove and they actually had to put forth their, the thinking on it, right. They couldn't do it. They couldn't hang. They they bounced. Well, I I did what you kind of told me, and I ended up I had to push pretty hard because no, not often do you get hired into ICU. They take really skilled nurses. I mean, the ICU nurses I've worked with at every facility. I haven't worked with a really stupid ICU nurse. I mean, yeah, you got to be on your game to get in there. And I was blessed. I don't honestly know how I got in. I did my internship at the end of my associate's degree in nursing school for my 10 weeks I did in uh, ICU at the hospital that ended up hiring me. And I think that's why I got hired there Yeah, because they saw me every day. I was kind of part of the crew by then. Yeah, And the nurses that I worked with really took me under their wing and pushed me to be better. They didn't let me just sit around and, you know, ask stupid questions. They would put me in the middle of really difficult situations where I had not experienced before, you know, like I remember helping recover an open heart patient who helps recover an open heart patient two weeks into their, you know, like, yeah. So they're asking you all these weird questions that you literally have not ever thought of as a nurse in school. Sure. Cause that stuff doesn't get asked of you. They're asking you, so how do you assess your patient? You know, mm-hmm. and in the, in the classroom, you're going to spend 45 minutes in your lab doing this discussion of how to assess your patient. My ICU nurses were assessing patients in seconds, you know, walking in the room, walk around the bed. They're like, okay, my cursory assessment's done. You're like, what the, what the, (laughs) what? What do you mean it's done? You know, and they'll explain it to you and you're like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Why couldn't my professor explain that to me? What, you know? Well, you know, they were teaching you for a test, you know, nursing school's teaching you to the ivory tower NCLEX is, is a test, uh, everyone that has, you, it, it's a 75 to minimum up to, what, 265. I don't know. There's a max, though. I know I maxed it. <laughs> Did you? One and a half times. <laughs> One and a half. You One had to take it times. twice? I took it twice, yeah. Wow. Well, I have anxiety when it comes to testing. Okay. I'm not the best test taker. Right. So when I was on... Oh, I think I was on like 200. Oh, shit. I, I'm the only. That would scare me to death. Yeah, right? I'm the only one. In the room? In the room. Oh, like, no. Like in the beginning. So in the beginning, I read my questions, but I have to read them verbally. Right. So you read them aloud. I, I, yeah. And they come out. They're like, uh, you cannot read these questions out loud. People can hear you. <laughs> I'm like, dang. So strike one right there. Right? So right. now I'm like, okay, now I'm trying to focus and read and I'm reading. And people don't understand when you're taking this test, you're in a room and you're in like a little cubicle looking area. And only thing in front of you is a computer screen and a keyboard. You get a blank piece of paper and a pencil. And that's it. That's it. You got to leave everything else. Your cell phone. And they put in the locker room outside this testing room is a locker that you put your cell phone 
your car keys, any pieces of paper that you have on you, you have to show them your pockets. They will wand you with a metal detector to make sure they'll check your glasses to make sure they're prescription or not. Yeah. I don't think I was wearing glasses at that time, so I didn't have to worry about it. But the interesting thing is, so I'm, I'm in 200 (laughs) and this is a test that's on a computer that it will shut off once it feels like you've either a met your minimum requirements to pass or B, you haven't. It's going to continue on. Yeah, every time you, you answer it. questions and it doesn't think you're good enough yet, it'll keep asking you. So when I was at 200, my my brain was shot, dude. Fair enough. I mean, I was the only one in that room. And I'm like, and they literally, they came out to me. They're like, okay, you can read out loud now. I'm like, <laughs> what? It's a little, they're really? Trying, they're I'm trying the to help one. you. They're trying to help you. So. Yeah, right. I'm like, I'm the only one in here. They're like, yeah. And soon when you're done, we can go for lunch or something, you know, (laughs) they're right. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. So I remember going through the first time was 265. Okay. So that was the full. So at 200, I can tell you right now. You just blanked out. I blanked out. I was pressing buttons like A, C, D. Just trying to get through it. I wasn't even reading questions. Fair enough. Yeah. And then it, it went all the way to 265. Right. Which I'm, I kick myself because, which is, I keep telling, you know, new grads now, I'm like, listen, it, who cares what number you're on? Right. If you're still on a number, you're, you're in the game, baby. You're still fighting to win. You're yeah. in the game. Right. And uh, I got the 265, it shut off, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I failed. <laughs> and, you know, a couple of days later, I did get the non-pass. Now, I was working for a hospital at the time. And, um, under my, what do they call IP? So my, yeah, my license. Um, and I couldn't, once you fail, you, you, the license goes away like that. So instantly. instantly. So I had to sit out for three months and I, then I studied, I didn't study for the test. No, not at all. I studied my ass off for that. test. Not one question, dude. I probably did practice questions for the NCLEX. I know when I first started, I was doing 150 a day, but I worked up to 300 a day. Practice questions. Okay, I had, I had them on back. So this was back when it was an iPod. So I had a mini iPod that had an app and it had NCLEX questions. And I would just go through those and I would sit. It didn't matter where I was. I was doing, if I had a spare moment, I wasn't looking at Facebook. I wasn't looking at fucking Twitter. I wasn't doing any of that. I was looking at those questions, and all I did is study questions. So I did that for, I don't know, 20 days, 30 days before I took the test. And when I when I took the test, I was nervous. I was like, so I was a, my son was two at this time, and one, two at the time, and uh I knew that this was my ticket to be able to cover the costs for my family because working doing EKGs in the hospital wasn't paying the bills. Yeah. Like it wasn't enough. You know, I knew I'd be making more money as a nurse and I was desperate to start working somewhere and make more money. And I had to pass this hurdle, this testing hurdle yeah. to be able to work somewhere. So nothing was going to happen until this hurdle was, you know, covered. So I, studied my butt off and I still felt highly unprepared for the test. The day of the test, I was nervous. Palms are sweaty. You know, like I was worried. It's a big deal, right? Oh yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. So my test shut off like a hammer. I mean, 
I felt like I was ready for the next question and it stopped 75 questions. I answered the 75th question, hit it and it shut off. And I'm like, I did so bad. It fucking shut off on me. (laughs) I was worried, dude. And there was this thing back then where you could, and I don't know if it still happens, but you could try and the the thing was you could try and reschedule a test. And if you weren't able to, then you could presume that you passed it. Yep. So I tried to reschedule and it wouldn't let me. And I'm like, it just it just thinks I failed. It doesn't even want to let me take it. So I would talk myself into that wow. I failed. I was freaked out. That was a pass. Yeah, I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to tell my wife. I was really worried that I'd failed. So I came home and I was just kind of milling around. My wife's like, how did you do? You know, she's all spry and happy. How did you do? Was it good? Was it a fun test? <laughs> Shut up. No. <laughs> I don't think I did well. I think I failed. Oh, you didn't fail. I Yeah, I did. You don't fail at anything. Shut up. I fail a lot. So I was worried, but ultimately I passed. But the point was I was freaking scared. So even when you go in fully prepared and ready, and that was the same way with my with my certification for NP. I studied for months for my NP. You know, yeah. I studied with a friend of mine. Uh, we were in class together and we studied. We'd go to a coffee shop every day. We'd study, you know, we'd do two, 300 questions again, practice questions. I did them on my own. So I followed the same formula I did with the NCLEX, although this was multiple subjects for different reasons, different ways. So I listened to podcast, not podcast, but this, uh, I don't know, there's a goofy guy out of California and he records these kind of videos and kind of gives you the way to how to study and stuff. And sure. he's just so annoying. I can still hear his annoying voice talking in the tape recorder when you listen to him but it's funny because you'd hear that when you're in the middle of the test so you'd hear his annoying voice coming over the <laughs> hemoglobin and hematocrit so hematocrit's approximately three times the hemoglobin so you had this in your head the stuff that he was saying yeah. on this recording this download that i had and so you'd hear that but i studied my butt off and i took that test and it shut off i think it was 200 questions total i mean i think it's 200 questions i don't think you get it it's that's just what it is i think yeah i I don't think it shuts off early or anything like that no so you do the questions might have been 160 i don't remember there's a lot anyway you go through it and i it'll ask you in that test in the end and the np test the certification test it'll say do you want to mark this for review later right Mm -hmm. so you answer the i answered the question and then i put mark for review because there were some questions that I really was a 50-50 on. You know how you take, if anyone's taken a multi-guess test, A through D or A through E choices, you go through and you highlight what you think are the good ones and you dismiss the ones that you think are bad. And then you have a choice. Is it one of three, one of two, or is it definitely not the other three and it's this one, right? You've ruled out more than you've answered for sure. Yeah. Unless you really know the answer. So I would go through and I probably had 30 or 40 of those that I had marked for review. <laughs> so I get through the test and it says, would you like to review the questions you marked for review? And I said, yes. And sure enough, they all come up. And I decided at that moment, I am not about to review these. Makes sense. I don't. Well, honestly, I was going to. Sure. you were. I was going to review all of them and really do my due diligence first, and yeah, think about my answer. For your first choice is usually the right one yeah your gut instinct is generally right so i talked myself and it was a it was a conversation i had with my like the devil and angel on your shoulder kind of thing what do i do it do i not is this a good idea i mean i sat there for i don't know 
probably was 30 seconds, but it felt like a freaking eternity having this argument with myself, whether I go through them or not. And I decided at the end of the time not to, and I just submitted it. Now that would be fine and well, but this stupid test says, are you sure you want to submit? <laughs> no. Fuck. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm with your head. Dude. I, I'm yes. I'm sure. I'm positive. Are you really sure you want to submit it? <sighs> Now I don't know. Are you telling me that I answered wrong? Like, is the is the computer second guessing me? I'm like, okay, uh, yeah. Are you positive that you want son no. of a bitch? Now I don't know. Now I really don't know. Do I have to go over these questions now? So it, I think it asked three times if you wanted to submit the test. Uh, it didn't just shut off like the NCLEX just tells you yes or no. Yeah, like you're this done. this one, it really it messed with your head. The difference here is that you find out when you leave the room if you passed or failed. Oh, really? So you don't have to wait two days. So I walked out of the room, and she goes, congratulations. I'm like, what? She goes, here, hand me my certification right there as I walked out of the room. Really? Yeah. Handed me the passing grade and everything. What was the passing grade? Uh, Passing. So I give a shit. Acquiring minds want to know. Well, for you can people out there. Yeah, right. You can ask. You can ask the. I wouldn't have asked. Honestly, no, nope, I, I did not. I was like, "Thank you. I'm taking this one and running." Yeah, the Mary Association Nurse Credentialing. They'll give you like if you call them or ask them for the breakdown of your test results, they'll give it to you. That's I awesome. don't know of anybody that's ever asked for that though, because passing it's like getting a B, right, or a C or whatever the passing. Is. Sure, passing's passing. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I did 265 first time, and the last two, last 65 questions, I literally just pressed buttons. And then um, then I won away. I left actually Nevada and went to, um, where did I go? Colorado Springs. Okay. Because they had an NCLEX review thing there. Yeah, like Hearst or somebody was doing a yeah, review. Yeah, I didn't want to do it here because mm-hmm. I, I knew the people that were teaching it. They were mm-hmm. from my school. Right. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't want to see them. Right. I don't want them to know I failed. Yeah. That's the problem. You don't want anyone to know. Well, yeah. And uh, luckily, there was another person in my class that did not pass. So me, me and her, we went cool. off. And we spent a week or a weekend just studying. Dude, yeah. I took, when it was all said and done, it was between three and 5,000 questions. Yeah. Went back, took the test, 244 questions. Oh, my God. Difference is, is when I hit 200, I said, I'm still in the game, baby. That's cool. I'm still in a game. My last That's two testing anxiety 101 right, right there. But I wasn't stressed then because I, I knew like, cause I, you know, when you get your results back on the first one, I was off by just, I mean, you don't know exactly which one, but you can kind of tell. Yeah. And it was, it was so close dude, mm. so close. And I knew uh, the last two questions for me were Guillain-Barre. Okay. And uh, very easy in my head now reflecting yeah. back, like, you know, what's the most important thing to protect yeah. if somebody starting with symptoms of Guillain-Barre or Guillain-Barre or however you want to pronounce it. Airway. And airway. Absolutely. Yeah, always airway. So, ABCs. Yeah. So airway, boom, shut off. I'm like, and I remember when it shut off, I'm like, I passed. That's awesome. I feel pretty good. I passed. And when I did mine, I could not do the call in or set up or anything. So I had to wait. Right, right, right. But I knew, I just knew. That's awesome. I knew that was it. But, you know, the struggles... Struggles are real, man. But I mean, that's two different experiences, and I can tell you that <laughs> the anxiety was not any different, probably from the first time you took it and the first time I took it. Yeah, well, no one needs to take five hundred NCLEX questions. No, ever. I I can't tell you one of them that was asked of me. 
I could not tell you to this day yeah. one question on the NCLEX. I wouldn't have any clue. I can name I dumped. I dumped that data the minute <laughs> I was done. I dumped it all. Oh, and yeah. I took a shit ton of practice questions. I, like you, thousands yeah. of them. Yeah. Thousands. Of, every other few days I had went through a thousand questions. Well, I figured, you know, since I was working, yeah. like, yeah, dude, I, in the beginning I was like, I don't need to study. I'm live practice. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is live versus the ivory tower the perfect scenario well, that's what we were talking about earlier the difference between the nclux test questions and the way it's being taught and the real world are different way remember different. remember in your when you're rounding with a nurse and you're a new nurse and they're like don't tell your teacher we did it this way <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> they, yeah w- w- this is the real world this is not what you do we don't have book. time for that this we're is just... not nclux world <laughs> yeah there there are stuff you do you know that you have to do like yeah, it just it's functional medicine. Yeah, but you would never, never. You cannot. So I think honestly, I think that hurt me a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure. Working well, first, I think what benefited me for not the test, but just in general, was following your guidelines of doing the ICU. I did. I did end up in the ER. I ended up working in the ER. Yeah, in a level one trauma center. Uh, but the bonus was that when I went to the ER, it made me. Being in the ICU, I think, made me a better ER nurse because I felt that when I was packaging my patient for the ICU, yeah, I was doing things that an ICU nurse would do. Like I was, and I'm sure when the ICU nurses received that package, they were like, "Oh my god, he started this antibiotic." Yeah, really? Well, would, they never and, start antibiotics down in ER. No, no. Like I would be, I, I was putting flux seals on people. Like I was doing stuff that the nursing. Down in the ER, I was like, where did you yeah. find this tile? Where did you? How did you do that? Why did you do that? And never be—you would never be trained or taught. You know, it's just a different front. Yeah, front end hospital is just a different. It's a different mentality. Yeah, it's, it's a different a breed. Type A versus Type B. I think. I mean, it's a right brain, left brain thinking. It's you have to be like if you're an ER nurse and you want to, or if you're out there, you're a new grad, or you're looking to, you know, to go in the ER. You you have to be like an adrenaline junkie. I think a little depends on the ER to be in the ER depends on the ER because you'd have to you first off you'd have to be okay with the excitement of what's coming through the doors because you don't not know. knowing not saying that those nurses even pay attention to what's coming through the door to be honest with you they're told by their charge nurse hey you're gonna get the bay you know the ambulance bay that you know whoever's in the ambulance bay you know right. oh it happens to be this or that you have to be comfortable with that being thrown at you right but also you have to be pretty excited like if you hear a code in the ER to ju- like all hands on deck let's go yeah but the, the ER nurses I, I mean the ER and IC nurses I worked with are the, some of the best in the industry i mean i was blessed to work with the people i did and in the ER that i worked at i learned a lot there too not in the skills of how to start ivs cuz i was already you know i was pretty proficient in ultrasound guided peripheral ivs by then i had been doing pick lines for one of the facilities for quite a while. So I had, cause I wanted to learn. I had yeah. morbidly obese patients in the ICU, super edematous patients in the ICU. And I was sick and tired of like starting peripheral lines in these people and then blowing or not getting the IV cause you couldn't find all, a vein. Yeah. So I learned, I wanted to learn how to use the ultrasound in order to benefit my patient. So when I, translated and brought that to the ER, that was cool. So being able to start IVs or being able to set up for an intubation, like I had done that in the ICU regularly, but they really taught me how to assess 
bullshit versus no bullshit because you don't see that in ICU. Everyone you get in ICU generally is super sick. Yeah. So you don't have to rule out like nonsense. Yeah. You know, and these nurses could rule out nonsense so fast. It was so good. And, you know, as a paramedic, you do that too. But as a paramedic, it's short lived. You see the patient and then you transport them to the hospital and 10 minutes later, it's someone else's problem. It's not yours. Yeah. And then you dismiss it. You're not holding them for 45 minutes, an hour, three days, whatever it may be. You're not sitting on this patient. So I is a little different being a medic versus being an ER nurse. And I know paramedics and ER nurses have this love-hate relationship kind of thing. It's a really weird thing. Yeah. But there's differences in the both of them for good reason, you know. As a medic, I didn't have to. I would assess my patient, and I'd do the triage, everything right there on scene, package them and transport them, and then give them to someone else. And I wasn't fixing them. I wasn't holding them long term. I wasn't starting, you know, pressers on yeah. my patient. I was transporting them and making someone else do the work. Well, that's the importance of getting into your ICU career first to well, see yeah. that the you know to see the 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 end result of. I think, like I said, I just felt when I was telling you where to go. That you would be, you would be, um, what's the word? You would be more sought after having the ICU experience versus yeah. not. Versus right. just yeah, I don't know if anyone sought, sought me out, but I do think that I still remember when I realized what you had said was true and I was setting up for a central line for one of the residents because there's a teaching hospital I worked at and this uh, second or third year resident was going to put a central line in my patient. And I set everything up. And I laid it all out and he shows up and I'm priming the bag because I'm going to run the central line pressure on this patient and CVP. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing? So he goes, uh, he looks at everything, looks over the table and he goes, uh, you, you worked somewhere else <laughs> before here, didn't you? And I'm, I'm like, no, man, I'm, no, I, I'm a nurse. He goes, no, 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 no. You are not an ER nurse. You worked somewhere else first. <laughs> he calls bullshit. Yeah, instantly. Because yeah. no other ER nurse set that up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he literally walked in and was ready. All he had to do was put his, you know, gown on and glove up. Yeah, but but when I say sought after, I'm saying right now, if you, if you took away your NP. Yeah. And you... Are an ICU nurse. I mean, you can go anywhere, dude. Yeah, especially now with COVID. Cath lab. Yeah. I mean, you can go any specialty. Right. Cath lab, ER, PACU. Right. You, but uh, each one of those has its own, you know, specialties, right? So you could be an ICU nurse and really good at medical ICU, but you can't recover open hearts. You would know, you'd be pretty sketchy at recovering an open heart oh, patient. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if you're an open heart nurse, you're probably decent at the medical side because you have to be decent at everything, right? Yeah, I would say if you're an open heart nurse, though, you're probably not decent on the neuro side of the ICU. No, you wouldn't be. Because mm-hmm. to me, neuro, I explain neuro as computer programming and cardiac is construction. Yeah, so I was... Plumbing electrical. I had done uh, CVICU or, yeah. or open heart uh, nurse. I was an open heart nurse for a couple of years. My wife was a neuro, right? Right. And she was trauma. Okay. So she, she could probably do everything except for the heart. Right. And I could just do the heart. <laughs> I mean, I could probably do medical too. But the reality, right. I mean, I know I can do medical. That's not the issue. But man, I, I, dude, I always hated it. I like, hated my Q1 hour neuro assessments. I was not a big fan of neuro. I no. hated neuro, especially with, yeah. the, with the drains and all that stuff they got going on. I, I think I, you're either a neuro nurse or you're not. 
I'm There's not. no middle ground there. I'm not. Heart was great because I knew what the problem was. It was yeah. the heart. Usually yeah. everything else was good. Usually don't you know it was about the cleanest patient in the hospital was your heart patients. It was awesome. And uh, when when I was able to get through that process, I mean, I felt pretty good about it. I felt very confident. And yeah. medical ICU, pretty confident. Right. But, yeah, everything's, uh, everything's you know, everything's just, it's, it's just, uh, everything is just, you know, what it is. Yeah. But we should go to a quick break real quick, and then we'll come back for a quick follow-up on keto, and then we'll call it a night, man. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan, brother. Right, sounds cool. good. Give me one second to get everything set up here because you got me on, on the, guard. I didn't know, we're man. We're on the fly, baby. We're, we're on, on the, the fly. We're on the fly. Medically unbiased. All right, man. So we're going to have a keto update from you. Keto update, dude. I like it. So, you know, I've been telling my weight from, we're on a month now, dude. Yeah. Total month of you doing this hardcore. So 210. Damn. I don't. You started where? (laughs) 216. 260, 260, <laughs> no, 216. I'm only down six pounds, dude. Oh, okay. I thought you started. In a month. I'm like, wait, I thought you lost 50 pounds. I don't know what's going on. Like, I thought I would lose more, but maybe I need magnesium. I'm hearing magnesium is a big key to help with weight loss. Maybe, but I don't think but, uh, <laughs> No, I don't think so. So here's how it goes. So 216.6 dropped down to 211.7. Okay. And then go uh 211.1 okay so that's week two yeah week three 208.8 okay week four 212 <laughs> so you went up how did i go up dude dude okay so and then and then now this monday today yeah 210 okay even so doctor i think it's my scale so one of the coolest weight loss docs out there is dr troclasian he's out of new york and he talks about this regularly on twitter his podcast he's got a lot of stuff going on sure and he talks how so you didn't gain this weight in a linear fashion right you didn't start out at 100 pounds and then you steep eating and it was 102 104 108 116 124 like it didn't grow yeah exponentially to get you to where you're at in a fast term so you're expecting really super fast results and what you're doing is you're actually teaching your body how to eat differently off of fat you know eat off the fat as opposed to eating off sugar yeah so you're not going to drop super quick but i bet you that you're losing inches i feel that i am i you know i didn't i did not measure myself i wish i would have i could tell you this i have extra belt not like i there's further belt notches on my belt good I, don't I haven't lost. I haven't lost a significant bunch of weight, but I'm doing so because I've been a month in ten days now. Yeah, you're on like keto, a month in a week, right? And there was actually two days where I probably didn't eat really good keto. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was uh, I was super busy. Oh, and, camping was one of them, right? Yeah, camping was one because I had a freaking cinnamon roll that was dumb. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
I probably even have that sound for us for everybody. <laughs> the the sad trombone sound. <laughs> See, I have it. It's there. <laughs> Get it in there. I've man. got you. Why man. am I doing that? Because you did it just as good, actually. Well, that's because our budget, you know. <laughs> Budget's so high. Yeah, we're actually over budget today. We spend a dollar fifty on this podcast, and I don't know that we can afford it. I probably need to get a loan. <laughs> Government. But we- you've noticed though, you've noticed size. You've noticed size go down. Yeah, no. That's yeah. what she said. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I have noticed inches yeah. low less inches in my waist. But like I say, I'm doing I am doing push ups. I'm doing fifty push ups every day, like pretty basic. I am not going to go to a gym, not because of COVID, but because I hate going to gyms. Sure. Uh, I don't see the, I just don't see it. I mean, yeah, I will preface this, this. At no point have I done any like serious working out. No, I've but done I, but you tennis think, and I've done golf. But you did that anyway. A few times. Yeah, that's typical what I do anyway. Right. So I think if you added exercise in, in any way, shape or form to I, get your heart up, it'd be beneficial, more beneficial. Would. Absolutely. I agree with that. So I, I do this with my patients. It's hard, though, to get you to do more exercise when you're going to beat your knees up ex- running or whatever. Yeah. I just know that I, I can tell, like, in my shirts, they're they're looser. Mm-hmm. Not so much in the pants. Well, I would assume so. I just don't I don't wear belts, so I can't tell with okay. notches and stuff. But definitely with the shirts that I wear, I feel like they're, they're definitely looser. looser. Um, you know, am I disappointed uh, only being down... Really, six pounds. That's where I'm at. Right. Uh, a little bit. I wanted to be like around 200. I wanted to have but 16 You wanted to be 200 off. in a month. I don't know that that's realistic. I know. Well, that's, you know, I got I didn't, I was happy when I got to 208. I was like, this is great. I'm down eight pounds. This is perfect. Right. And then I was like, uh, 212. Really? <laughs> How do I, I didn't do anything. Now, my wife did bring up uh, one thing. She says, I'm not drinking enough water. And that could be true. I mean, I, I'm yeah. not a big water drinker. You should be. But I need to be. Yeah. I really need to be. And I think, you know, it helps flush, you know, the crap out of my system. Maybe, but I... I'm not I saying flush pounds, but, you know... No, no, no. I think just keep your body functioning. But, again, I, I don't know. The water thing, I think, is a old wives' tale. But I, it couldn't hurt having water. I guess, no. Maybe I, I had couldn't. one day of a headache, and, and this is... After the first week or whatever of keto or whatever, I had one day of a headache. But. So have you pulled the intermittent fasting string no, yet? No, and I want to. And I, I'm, I'm so about that's the ready. next lever. So to me, that's the second lever of the dieting process of intermittent. Adding intermittent fasting to keto is a benefit. I'm, I will probably end up doing that. So, so what are you thinking? Like from dinner to dinner? Like you have your dinner. No, I'm thinking it's more severe. What dinner to dinner, no. Like okay, so you have your dinner, right? Like at what six p.m. Sure, have okay. your dinner five six o'clock, and then you don't eat again until the following twenty four hours at five or six o'clock. That would be dinner. That's a full day fast, and you can put those in your mix. But I'm talking intermittent. So I will. I have my coffee with heavy cream. You drink a bowl of coffee. I have my coffee with heavy cream at eight in the morning. Okay, seven forty five ish is when I get my first coffee. Pretty much every day. Like, I'm on a pretty regular schedule because I work 8 to 5-ish. So that's my first. And then I'll eat lunch of some sort at between noon and 2. Okay. And then there's no additional food after 2. So no dinner. 
No dinner. Till one again. Till your coffee. Till coffee in the morning. Okay. Six hours. I give myself six hours to eat. And then for eighteen hours I don't eat. I'll drink all the water I want. What 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 are you eating for lunch? Today I had two hamburger patties with uh bacon and cheese. This is what so you you're intermittent you're doing it right now. Yes. You're you're not gonna eat anything. No. You're not gonna go out and get Cafe Rio or anything right now? No. You sure? Positive. Okay. How do you feel on it? Good. Yeah? Feel better on it, yeah. On that whole 16 hours of not eating? Yeah. Is that where we're at? Yeah. 18. I'm telling you, dude. The there's bullet- a there's an 18 hour. It's called, it's called Do Fasting. It's an app on your phone and uh talks about fasting. And it's like you can track your fasts so you can see if it's time So how to many times a week do you do this? Every Just, day. Oh, you do it? You do it every day? I'm starting, the, yesterday I'm starting daily. It'll be every single day. I will only eat for six hours a day for the next 30 days. Oh, so you're going to do it for 30 days? Probably do it forever, but yes. Really? Forever? Yes. Yeah. What about steak and stuff? Are you just going to make, because you're I'll, not going to be I'll home just, to make that stuff unless you're, it's on your days off. Right. Like, what about dinner? Like, normal food? Why? If I'm not hungry, why eat? I don't know. I'm you have a family. You have kids. Yeah, they don't can eat. Have, I'm not telling them not to eat. Don't you want to have dinner with them? Like sit down. And have I also want to live long enough to freaking enjoy them. What if I die because I'm morbidly obese and get COVID and die? Well, that that is a risk. Again, here we go. So I don't know. I I mean that sounds like a great idea, and that might be something I will incorporate. So I, one of the cardiologists I work with has lost 80 pounds this way. He looks. He's totally different. 80 pounds. 80 pounds. And over a period of Over a year. Oh, that's pretty 12 good. months. Yeah. Now, he's younger than me. I'm 44. He's 39, 38. But uh, he was as big. He was two, well, well over 200 pounds. Wow. You know, he was a big guy before. Now he's a peon. Now he's a ripped dude. Ripped? Yeah. Wow. So he did intermittent fasting, keto. And started exercising. And is he, does he do his intermittent fasting for 30 days and then come off of it for 30 No, he's days? been doing it pretty consistently all the time. I mean, I can see from a physician standpoint because they never have time to eat shit. But that's the problem, right? So they don't have time. So what are they eating? They're eating out of the damn vending machine, and then they're telling their patients, don't eat that crap out of the vending machine. And so they're <laughs> they're having this problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're doing your coffee with heavy cream. Are you putting any other, anything else into it? Coconut oil? Are you putting any other oils or MCT or anything? anything? No, nothing. Would would that go against intermittent fasting? Like if I did my bullet, because that's coconut oil, heavy cream. No, it's not against it. We have that's when you start. So anything you have that has fat or protein in it or carb is consumption right it's food so yeah. if you drink a flu people don't think of eating as drinking coffee like i didn't have anything to eat i had coffee this morning i didn't eat anything well coffee had fat in it people will say that to you though no no i agree and i would have said i would have said the same thing a month ago all <laughs> right right i would have never have thought honestly swear to god i would have never have thought that taking like i had my coffee this morning i make right. it every day dude even before i go to work that's awesome and I've, I will not be hungry at all after having my tablespoon of butter 
and my uh and your coffee and your oils and everything else yeah dude seriously man yeah I, I, like i'm like i'm good i'm good until man maybe Midday. well let's see I'll, I'll get up around seven like okay. i'll have coffee at seven it'd be like two or three when i'm like yeah I'm, I, I think i need something to eat right but i'm not starving i'm never starving right oh wow, that's impressive yeah so I'm just amazed on, well, I'm amazed. So my keto journey, you know, you guys are going to hear it. We're, we're definitely going to talk about it cause it's important. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's fair of me to ask my patients to do something that I'm not willing to do or capable of doing myself. Uh, yeah. True. That's very hypocritical as a provider. Yeah. I'm not a provider. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> worry about that, but I want, but, I have kids like you have kids. I, yeah, yeah. I want to be around too. Yeah. And I want to feel like I have energy. Right. So, so, so my, my next exercise to add this month is uh yoga. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to do the diamond Dallas page DDP yoga program. I bought, I bought it on DVD and I'm going to give it a shot. Wow. My wife in is, my house, my wife swears by it, dude. Really? She's yep. been wanting me to do yoga for. I'm gonna do the hippy dippy version. I'm just kidding. He doesn't do hippy dippy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna years, do yoga years, dude. She's like, come on, especially for the stretching, because yeah, yeah, I always I always wake up something sore on me, right? Especially like after playing golf or tennis, something is sore, knees. So instead of, instead of taking an extra shot in the morning to get yourself sober, now you're taking ibuprofen just to get out of bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> Like I'll pop a couple of leaves. I don't do it that often, but if it, you know, if you're sore, if I've had a very active sports activity weekend, yeah, tennis and golf, right? Uh, Monday morning, I'm popping a couple of leaves. There you go. Just to, just to get the saying, joints moving. She keeps saying, and I'm taking, you know, I'm taking that. Uh, what's that joint medicine, the over the counter stuff? Um, like Cocaine or something. Uh, it starts with a G. I can't. I have to to look it up but um uh chondro something oh yeah know you know what i'm talking about, about right mm-hmm. well i take that i take fish oil <laughs> you know because For your cholesterol yeah because you know i told it's you it's not working right because i figured why not my I, dad i'll tell you something my dad swore on cod liver oil yeah swore on it right we take it every day that guy never had a cholesterol problem that's good he also said, you know, you always have to have something in the morning. And his was coffee yeah. and a piece of toast. There you go. With butter. That's it. That's all he ate to go. start his day off. But they also didn't eat near the carbs we do. No. <laughs> so we, pay, he, I his see max patients, weight was 152. Dude. That's what I'm telling you. Patients compare. Their, my mom never ate that. I'm like, your mom is 97. <laughs> and she never ate anything you eat. Yeah. Ever. Well, my mom ate everything i ate and she was also she was 222 right she i have my mom's jeans yeah my sister has you shouldn't wear your mother's jeans that's probably not i can fit in them so that's, <laughs> I'm, that's I'm just a saying scary thing it might be a little weird looking but there? yeah no, i feel good i'm very happy about it i'm i'm excited about the new process with you i'd love yeah. to hear more uh, i want to yeah we'll talk about it next time i really want to dig into this and see how i feel because i'm only in day two and so and you can get over anything mentally in a couple of days yeah how's it going to feel in a week that's my question. I'm sure you're going to feel good. Yeah, I think so. Point. So we'll we'll see if we can get you on an intermittent fasting plan and uh, start I'll losing try. some more yeah, weight. Yeah. You want to try, try it? Yeah, for sure. 
All right, man. We'll do it starting today. Hey, do we have any, dude? Do we have any uh, email questions from uh, last week? Um, no, because no one likes emailing us. I guess email's dead. Is it email dead? I what don't about know. Twitter? Did we get any? Did we get any I followers? Did, I did see some stuff on Twitter. I saw one follower. Yeah, one one new follower. One new follower. Yeah. Okay. One well, it's follower. not me. Uh, it was me. Um, <laughs> I was I was the first one to follow us. That's awesome. See, that's a, that's a start. That's All a right. Start. Well, listen, guys. Dude, just, we've packed 15 minutes of awesome information into this three-hour, two-hour show. Yeah. I love it. You know, we really work hard to bring the most up-to-date data, and it's really not up well, to date. T- well, no. Today was a good one. Today had, we had a live person that yes, had COVID. True survivor. She's a survivor. A survivor she is a sure. survivor. Absolutely. I applaud her from even coming on because I think uh, there's some ramifications to this whole covid are you sick are you not this or how about having to answer the questions when you go to any store right have you ever had covid or symptom like and if you feel obligated well i have to say yes because i did and then they're looking like well what are you doing here you cannot be in this building right right so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of questions i should probably ask her but yeah makes sense That's okay get her on here in a month and then ask her how you know, how she got the her aftermath. smell and her taste back. Yeah, true. Right. And how the aftermath of actually having to answer those questions and is she being honest or not? I mean, right. You, yeah. some, These are all good. Like I, when I go, uh, where was I? And they asked, oh, I took my kids to the orthodontist. Okay. And they asked, you know, have you ever been around anybody? And I'm thinking to myself, well, of course I've been. I'm in a hospital. Right. I'm around everybody. Yes. But I, you know, I'm like, no. <laughs> not that you not that i know that's, that's i, I the, know nothing that's the george carlin version of uh airline security did you pack your bags yourself oh <laughs> uh, no <laughs> some guy some random some guy, guy said don't worry about the ticking in your bag like i mean who's gonna answer that fucking question opposite who would ever answer that question nobody yeah. you know so that's where i'm at with that but no we will get down and dirty on some of that stuff and hey don't forget Email us at <laughs> info at medicallyunbiased.com and follow us on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. We, we do have a Twitter page and we don't post anything much there, but funny videos of people yelling at us with masks or without it's a them. Good video, guys. It's a great, it's a great video. I love it. Let's I was, blow that video up, guys. Let's blow that video. Yeah. Up. Blow that thing up. Share it, share it amongst your friends, amongst yourself, amongst people you know, and some you don't and enjoy. Thank you. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Medically Unbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.